You're listening to CITR F102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Sugar and Spice from 1988 with a diss of J.J. Fad. Yes, they were putting down J.J. Fad. And today on the Nerdwar to Human Serviette radio show, an interview with Bill Casing, who kind of is dissing the moon landing. Yes, the legendary Bill Casing from February 16th, 1996, with 
why the moon landing was faked. Tomorrow will be the 50th anniversary of people, of Neil Armstrong landing, Apollo 11, Buzz Aldrin, Mr. Collins landing, orbiting the moon. Or did they actually land on the moon? So from 1996, here is Bill Casing's take on the moon landing. Was it faked? On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Are you? Well, I'm an alternatives lifestyle writer. I've written about 20 books on how to uh, live outside of what I call the corporate imperatives. In other words, how to live very cheaply, uh, how, how to not get caught in the rat race. Your name is Bill Casing. Yeah, I've, I've written a number of books. There should be more in the, uh, in the Vancouver Library because uh, the, the books have sold well, and uh, Loom Panics has sold a couple of my books. So for years, Bill, I've heard the rumor that Disney faked the moon landing. I've heard this rumor that Disney faked the moon landing. Now you're here, Mr. Casing, to prove it's true, aren't you? REM saying, if you believe they put a man on the moon, you're here to prove it, aren't you, Mr. Casing? I'm here to prove that no man has ever landed on the moon. What's the background for that? There's lots of books on this subject, aren't there? Oh, yeah, there's quite a few, and there, there's more coming all the time. Uh, interestingly, several people have or will produce videotapes uh, based on my material. There's a new book out, NASA Mooned America. 
Yes, that's by a man named Ralph Rene, who lives in Passaic, New Jersey. And uh, the book is very well done. It's it's far superior to my book because Rene is a uh, essentially a self-taught engineer. And he's come up with a lot of important points that uh, I missed completely. Well, your book, We Never Went to the Moon, Bill, was probably the first book to expose a moon hoax, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was written in 1974 and uh, has essentially been available ever since. He calls the guy, this is Rene, he calls astronauts astronauts, which is yeah. very interesting. That's kind of funny, astronauts, like they're not as astronaut. That's very interesting. <laughs> Yes, that is true. He he has a he has a good comic sense. Bill Casing, what is the official government line on the moon landings? What's the official government line on the moon landings? You know, can you give your background of your involvement in a space program and what the official government line is about people landing on the moon? Uh, do you want my background? Yeah. Oh well, I was for seven years head of technical publications for the Rocketdyne Research Department at the Propulsion Field Laboratory in the Simi Hills, that's near Canoga Park, California. And during that time, I had uh, top secret clearance and AEC, Atomic Energy uh, Commission clearance. And of course, I was in on all of the, of the top secrets about the development of Mercury and uh, Gemini and of course, uh, Atlas and eventually Apollo. And my experience as a technical writer led me to believe that uh, a lot of the things that, uh, that the aerospace industry and NASA professed to have done were never done. And they were not as successful as they pretended to be. So that's my background. And then your second question was the government stance. What is the actual government stance on the moon landing, Bill Casing? Okay. The government claims that the reports of astronauts and photographs and some rocks prove that we went to the moon. And my, my feeling is that uh, some photos and some people who have been under military pay or military jurisdiction all their lives and uh, some rocks don't prove a thing. In fact, there is so much contrary evidence to going to the moon, such as solar and cosmic radiation, micrometeorites, the temperature on the moon, the fact that uh, the astronauts never reported how magnificent the stars were, or they never showed a picture of the crater that should have been uh, dug underneath the lunar lander. It goes on and on. I have hundreds of pieces of information that any really intelligent person uh, could review and then decide for themselves. Well, particularly, Mr. Casing, can you just like prove it here with some little points that we actually didn't go to the moon? In your book, you mentioned that there were no stars in the photos that NASA took. That's right, and they had the most marvelous opportunity to take star uh, pictures of, of all the stars in the universe visible from the moon. Uh, I've talked to a number of top-level astronauts, both locally and elsewhere, and they say that the astronauts would have been overwhelmed by the sight of trillions of stars, not to mention Jupiter and Saturn and the other planets and so forth, but not one picture has ever come back from the alleged trip to the moon showing the stars in all their magnificence, nor do any of the astronauts comment on the stars. 
They completely ignore it. It would be like going to Niagara Falls and talking about the hamburger you ate. Doesn't NASA say that the reason that there were no stars is because their cameras weren't set for the proper exposure? Isn't that their line? That's their line, and that's pure baloney, because I've talked to photographic experts who say that NASA had all the money in the world to have a, a camera that would have taken magnificent pictures uh, of stars. But there's a little problem. You know, the temperature on the moon is 250 degrees Fahrenheit uh, during the lunar day, and uh, a friend of mine put some film in, a, in an oven and ran it up to 250, and the film just curled up. So it's obvious that the pictures that they brought back were not taken on the moon, nor could they have actually taken any pictures on the moon, even if they had gone there. So apparently they faked the moon landing. Now, oh, yeah. Th so the moon landing has been faked, Bill Casing. If the moon landing was faked, how come they didn't include stars in their studio, apparently in the Nevada desert, where they were faking the moon landing? They could not fake the star uh, maps because uh, there are too many astronomy buffs, and I've talked to a lot of them, they would have measured the angularity uh, between stars and the position of the stars behind, let's say, the Earth. No way, even with the most advanced computers, could they have created star pictures that would have been, uh, let's say, acceptable to the astronomy buffs. So at MIT, where the simulation took place, uh, the planning for it took place, they simply decided to stonewall it and not include any pictures of stars at all. So the moon landing was faked, and you know it was actually faked at MIT. Where was it faked? Somewhere in the Nevada desert? What's the deal on that, Bill Casey? Well, uh, it said that there's uh, an area near Quebec that looks just like the moon and that the astronauts spent some time up there. Uh, the Nevada desert, uh, I've spent lots of time in the Nevada desert, and it looks a great deal like the moon. But here's, here's the kicker. There's an Air Force base near San Bernardino, California, called Norton Air Force Base. And they have the world's largest sound stages under tremendously uh, efficient if, uh, security. They could have easily created all of the moon sets in those sound stages and filmed to their heart's content. This was in the Nevada desert. Well, this is at Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino, but they could have done it in the Nevada desert in an area called uh, 51, which is the northeast corner of the Atomic Energy Commission base there. They have a lot of UFO stuff going on around Area 51, oh, don't yeah. they? Yeah, 51 is a, is a place where you don't want to be found <laughs> at all. All the guards carry submachine guns and they're, they are told to shoot to kill if, if anybody gets inside the base. So continuing on, Mr. Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, to prove that the moon landing was faked, you mentioned there were no stars in the photos that the astronauts brought back, but also you mentioned that it was impossible for the United States of America to actually make it to the moon at that time, that there had been some problems, and you were involved in the program at this time, so you knew about those problems. Oh, yes. One of the major problems, of course, was trying to get things to work in essentially an alien environment. Uh, outer space is no picnic. Uh, you've got the Van Allen belt around the Earth, uh, uh, you know, about uh, 20 miles up. The Van Allen belt would probably have cooked any astronauts that uh, ventured into that area. Then you've got outer space where there are 
billions of micrometeorites zipping around at speeds up to 60,000 miles per hour, and these would have gone right through the uh, command capsule with the astronauts in it and kept right on going. And these micrometeorites are all different sizes from the head of a pin to, uh, say, the size of a grapefruit and larger. Weren't there actual events, though, that happened to NASA that made them realize they couldn't send somebody to the moon? Like, when did NASA realize that it was impossible for them to send somebody to the moon and they were going to have to fake the moon landing? At what point did they realize this? Well, initially they realized it in 1959 when I was privy to a study made by the Russians. The Russians discovered that the radiation on the moon would require astronauts to be clothed in four feet of lead to avoid being killed. Uh, NASA picked up on this study and, of course, did some studies of their own. And uh, subsequently, other studies were made about all of the different hazards on the moon, particularly uh, something as benign, you might think, as temperature. Uh, the temperature on the moon during the lunar day is 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, trying to keep either the suits or the lunar lander cool during that tremendous heat from an, a blazing sun would have been impossible because they did not have enough air conditioning power. So you're saying 1959, United States of America realized that they couldn't put a man on the moon? No, in 1959. 1959. 1959, that's when they got got a hold of the Russian studies. See, the Russians never intended to land men on the moon. They concentrated on unmanned vehicles. And the so-called space race was just a lot of baloney. Well, Bill Casing, what I don't understand is if NASA realized they couldn't put a man on the moon in 1959, what about those astronauts that died in 1967 on the launch pad? Did NASA know that those guys were going to die on the launch pad? Were they sacrificed to make the space program more realistic? Uh, I would say that's you're pretty close to that. A fellow by the name of Gus Grissom was very disenchanted with the Apollo program. And he, on the day that he was burned to death, he hung a lemon on the command capsule to let people know what he thought of it. Prior to that, he made many trips to the Rocketdyne Downey plant to examine the equipment, and he realized it wasn't going to work. A few minutes before he was burned to death, he said, hey, you guys in the control center, get with it. You expect me to go to the moon, and you can't even maintain telephonic uh, communications over three miles. But my theory about uh, Gus Grissom was that he was about to blow the whistle on the entire project, and that he was murdered. Well, if they faked the... What was the... What was the intention of those astronauts? What Apollo mission was that, the ones that the guys died in? Uh, That was Apollo 1. that was Apollo 1 on, in 1967? Yes, that was Grissom and Chafee and White, his two companions, were supposed to take off in the fall of, of 1967 and go to the moon. And what did NASA have for that? Like, what was going to be the plan? They were going to actually make it to the moon? That was actually a moon flight? No, not really. What did, like, what did NASA have planned? If NASA was faking the whole moon program, what did the guys in the astronauts, what, were, what was going to happen to them? What was, gonna be, what was their mission? What was, what was NASA trying to achieve there or prove to the public? Well, by simulating a trip to the moon, they could easily then justify the $30 billion that they spent. They intended to get Gus Grissom and Chafee and White 
to actually lie about their trips to the moon, just like Armstrong and Aldrin and all the other astronauts have lied about their trips to the moon. I call all astronauts who allegedly landed on the moon bald-faced liars, and particularly Alan Shepard. Why is that? Well, Alan Shepard is one of these particularly obnoxious people. After Grissom was uh, murdered, uh, he refused to help uh, Grissom's wife, Betty Grissom, get a settlement from NASA and from North American Aviation, uh, which she held responsible. And Shepard didn't approve of this at all. She sa he said that uh, we should accept the deaths of astronauts and uh, you don't need any money. So, Bill Casing, are you saying, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, and we're speaking here to Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, and there was nobody that ever landed on the moon, right, Bill? That is absolutely correct. I will stake my life on it, and I have many, many, many people who will support this view with technical information, including a man who was at the Goldstone tracking station during all of the Apollo flights, and he is absolutely convinced that they were faked. What exactly brought him to this decision? Well, he realized that all of the input to the Goldstone tracking station came from NASA in Washington. Well, that certainly made it convenient for them to fake any communications that they wished. In other words, they were not picking up data from Apollo on its way to or on the moon or on its way back. They were getting communications from NASA Greenbelt in Washington, D.C., which had complete control of all communications. And at this point, I'd like to mention that uh, Walter Cronkite was the father figure that uh, NASA chose to essentially hype the whole project. Uh, Cronkite is, is a rather big liar. Well, he was in on the Kennedy thing, too, wasn't he? He was what? He was in on the Kennedy thing, oh, too. Oh, yeah. He did, he, recently, he did a film uh, that uh, completely disputed uh, the truth about the Kennedy assassination. What I'm still curious about, Bill Casing, is that did NASA kill those astronauts in 1967? Did they kill them on purpose because they knew too much? Did they kill them? Did they mean, or was it actually an accident that happened? No, it was no accident. They murdered them because, you see, I found out, and just recently that whenever NASA was in trouble, they would call on the CIA. Now, we all know that the CIA has and can kill anybody they want without any feeling of conscience whatsoever. So it's my feeling that the CIA was hired by NASA to very adroitly kill Grissom, Chafee, and White. Let's get a bit of a timeline here, Bill Casing. Sure. Okay, you're working here with Rocket Dome. A rocket dyne, it's called, R-O-C-K-E-T-D-Y-N-E. -E. They're, they're still based in uh, Canoga Park, California. And you're working on the space program. I was working on the space program from 1957 to 1963. With probably a lot of ex-Nazis from the Galen organization, I bet. Oh, I met some of them. There were a lot of Nazis, including, of course, Werner von Braun. And an interesting sidelight is after the uh, Apollo project was over, he completely lost interest in space travel, retired, went to work for Grumman, and then he died of cancer. So well, this also evokes the uh, recollection that after Apollo 11 allegedly returned to Earth, three of the leading NASA investigators resigned without an explanation. 
Now, this tells you that there were some men of integrity who would, would not go along with this scam. So you're working at the rocket place, developing, working for the, working for the space program. You eventually leave the space program. At that point, did you know that the moon landings were going to be faked? Because you said in 1959, the United States of America realized they couldn't put a man on the moon, so they'd start faking stuff. Why, you know, why didn't you spill the beans right then? Well, I don't know. Uh, what motivated me to spill the beans was a young man from uh, Vietnam Wars by the name of John Grant, and he said that uh, he was sent to Vietnam to kill people with no good reason. He also got a heroin habit, and he says, Bill, he says, what I want you to do is to blow the whistle on this rotten, corrupt government. He says, why don't you say something outrageous like we never went to the moon? So I attribute my interest in this project to John Grant. If the moon landings were faked, why did they continue faking the Apollo flights? Like in the movie Apollo 13, it points out that nobody really cared about, you know, the space program at that point. You know, America had make it, made it to the moon. Why continue faking moon landings if they'd already made it to the moon? Well, the, the plan was to have something like eight or ten Apollo flights to the moon, and they had been given the money to build all the vehicles to do it, and they felt obligated to carry on with the, uh, with the uh, simulation. But remember this, by the end of Apollo 12, people in America and possibly elsewhere were completely bored with the project. So what they thought they would do and did was they would create a cliffhanger, and Apollo 13, which didn't happen at all, despite the movie, was simply a simulation inside of a simulation to get people's interest back into the space program. Apollo 13 was totally faked. Totally faked. Apollo Those 13, men, they the never left the Earth. The movie that's up for nine Oscars never even happened. Never even happened. But the guy wrote such a realistic book. Well, sure. He's paid to write a realistic book. You know, many of the Apollo astronauts have become multimillionaires. Where do you suppose all that money came from? Well, why did they keep faking the, uh, you know, Apollo flights? I still don't understand. Like, didn't the Soviet Union know it was faked? Why did they keep shut up if they knew it was faked? Well, because a lot of people would think they kept the moon race going to prove the United States was better in the Soviet Union. But if the Soviet Union knew, why did they let the United States get away with this? Well, I'll tell you, at the highest levels, there's a coalition between governments. In other words, the Soviets said, if you won't tell on us, and they faked most of their space exploits, we won't tell on you. It's as simple as that. See, what, what Apollo is, it, it is the beginning of the end of the ability of the government to to hoodwink and bamboozle and manipulate the people. More and more people are becoming aware in the United States that the government is totally and completely public enemy number one. Well, let's get a bit more into the proving part that we never went to the moon, Bill. You okay. mentioned earlier there were no stars in the photos. NASA right. says their cameras weren't set properly. You say, well, they could have been set properly. They just didn't do it properly. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. What's right. the significance of that? Well, the significance is that the lunar lander engine developed 10,000 pounds of thrust, and I've seen many, many rocket engines of that capability uh, in action, and they are so powerful they will move giant rocks across the canyon. 
uh, a 10,000-pound thrust engine would have dug a hole right down to bedrock, and it would have stirred up a, an enormous cloud of dust, and that never appeared in any of the so-called films that they took of the lunar lander. So the, the, the crater, the absence of the crater in any photograph of Apollo lunar landers uh, is actually probably the only real proof that you need. You don't need much beyond that and the fact that there weren't any stars. What about the operation of the lunar module in the sense that it takes place thousands of miles above the moon? This is what NASA says. That, like the operation, the big explosion that comes from the lunar module, when it lands on the moon, it happens, you know, way up above the moon. And that's why there's no crater. What about that explanation? Well, uh, you know yourself that the lunar lander eventually had to, according to NASA, land on the moon. Well, as it approached the landing point, the engine still had to develop enough thrust to keep the lunar lander, which weighed in, or in lunar gravity about 3,000 pounds, they had to develop enough thrust to keep it floating above the surface in order to let it gently uh, uh, land on the surface. But that, that obviously uh, was not substantiated by any crater under the lunar lander engine. There were no stars in the photo. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. These are reasons that we never went to the moon. And this is Bill Casing. You are Bill Casing, right? That's my name. Author of We Never Went to the Moon. Furthermore, the radiation should have turned your astronauts into crispy space bacon. Yes, it would have. And it also would have pierced them with thousands of micrometeorites. Uh, the moon is not a place for human beings, ever. And Russia you know, did a study in about 59, and this is what the U.S. picked up on, when the U.S. realized in 59 they couldn't go to the moon because the radiation was so bad? That's right. Is there any background for this, or is there any records that prove this, about the radiation out there in space? Well, I think any good astrophysicist could give you all the data, because it's been pretty well documented by studies. Uh, it's not hard to find basic information on uh, flights in outer space, and what you come across when you do investigate it is how hostile the universe really is once you leave the Earth's protective atmosphere. Well, do you believe that rockets ever made orbit? Like, did Surveyor or Pioneer actually happen? Possibly, possibly not. Uh, I'm not absolutely certain about that. I will concede that certain uh, unmanned vehicles might have made it to the moon. The Russians are supposed to have sent some unmanned vehicles to the moon, and possibly our surveyor did land on the moon, but uh, units with people in them, never. How about in the actual atmosphere, like John Glenn in space, Yuri Gagargan, were they actually in space? I doubt it. So the Soviet Union faked that Yuri Gargan was in space and that dog that died, Laika, really didn't die? Mm, I don't think he was up there. See, there was a fellow by the name of Lloyd Mallon in the early 70s who wrote a, a very detailed book uh, saying that uh, all, if, if well, nearly all or possibly all of the Soviet uh, space exploits were faked and he proved it with photographs and technical data and so forth. I, I still have a copy of that book. So continuing on with reasons that we didn't make it to the moon here, Bill Casing is pointing out, there were no stars in the photos from the moon, there was no crater beneath the lunar lander, the radiation should have cooked people, there were various lighting anomalies? 
Oh, a lot of lighting anomalies. Uh, some friends from Europe came over recently, and what they did, they're very interested in this project, they analyzed NASA films of supposedly taken on the moon frame by frame. And you know what they found out? What, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Shadows diverged. In other words, if you have a point source of light like the sun, and you can see this uh, anytime outdoors, all shadows will be parallel. Telephone poles, trees, you name it. All the shadows will be parallel. Well, these men found in analyzing frame-by-frame movies that there was more than one uh, lighting source for this uh, film. Now, that proves beyond any doubt in my mind that these pictures, these motion pictures, were taken inside of a, of a movie set using gigantic spotlights to simulate the sun. But because they would pan shots and show like the rover or astronauts running around and so forth, if you analyze them frame by frame, you find out that the shadows are not parallel. This, to me, is one of the most significant breakthroughs, and I only learned it about two months ago. Well, how about NASA countering that, where they say, you know, on some pictures, astronauts are lit from more than one side because the sunlight is reflected off the lunar surface or off the lunar vehicle? Very unlikely in a vacuum, because uh, light doesn't go around corners unless it's assisted. If you look at uh, NASA pictures allegedly taken on the moon, all of the potholes, the little mini craters and so forth, have completely black shadows. Well, any picture of any device on the moon should have had completely black shadows where the sun did not illuminate them. How about the pictures of the moon where there's curves in the moon? How did they achieve that if they faked the moon landing bill casing? Uh, what was your question again? The curve of the moon. How did they fake the curve? Like you see, you know, the curve of the moon. Oh, well, when I was in Frankfurt, Germany recently, I saw about a six-foot diameter moon uh, a model, and it was absolutely perfect. So all the NASA people had to do was create a model of the moon, and they could shoot any curvature they wanted. Did people see Apollo 11 take off? Well, yes, certainly. Uh, so what July. happened? What happened then? If they saw it take off, what happened? Like the rocket took off, what happened, Bill Casing? If we didn't go to the moon, what actually happened when Apollo 11 took off? Uh, the Apollo 11 vehicle, or Saturn V, was sent out of people's sight, and then it was jettisoned into the South Atlantic, where all of the six that were launched now reside. There were no astronauts, of course, on board. They were hidden away carefully to be returned, allegedly, in their command capsule by being dumped out of a C-5A transport plane. So did see, they... It was easy to do all of this because they had total control of everything. Were, so they were not on the rocket when it took off then? No, they were not. And then they were picked up. Now, you talked to a pilot who saw all this happen? Yes. A pilot came on the air when I was doing a broadcast just like this one, and he says, Bill, I agree with you 100%. He says, I was flying from San Francisco to Tokyo, and I saw, uh, along with several passengers, I saw a command capsule dropped out of a C-5A and the red and white candy-striped parachutes opened and it descended to the surface of the ocean. And what happened after then? 
Well, they were, of course, picked up and put into biological uh, suits so that they wouldn't uh, afflict anybody with moon germs. But my theory on that is that uh, they couldn't tell these big, bald-faced lies this early. So they were actually kept from the press for approximately a month until they could sort of uh, uh, reconcile themselves with telling a lot of big lies. No, but I'm just curious. Apollo 11 takes off. The rocket dumps in the south, uh, south off South America or of the Atlantic. There, then what happens then? Are the astronauts are just you know hiding somewhere, and then eventually they get on a plane and then jump out of the plane and they've landed. That was it. That is correct. No moon involved at all. No moon involved at all. I am 100% positive of this, and every day when I get information from people that support my views, I'm more convinced than ever. How did they make the astronauts float, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to Moon? Because it seems pretty convincing when you see them floating around there. Like, a lot of people, when you say, hey, you know, we never went to the moon, they went, well, you know, I saw it. I saw them floating there. I saw them on the moon right there. Well, that could have been done just like they did the Broadway play Peter Pan. In other words, used uh, wires and suspended the astronauts from an overhead crane and had them leap gaily across what uh, actually was a moon set. No, it's not difficult to uh, show astronauts uh, taking big leaps, uh, nor is it uh, difficult, for example, to put them in a simulated command capsule and uh, have them go through, you know, an anti-gravity curve. Could you hold one second? Sure. We're speaking here to Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, live from SoCal, California. This is Bill Casing. Okay, here I am. Hello, Bill. How are you doing? All uh, fine. J- just to um, reiterate here again, reasons that we did not make it to the moon. Number one, there were no stars in the photos. Right. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. Right. Radiation should have turned the astronauts into crispy space bacon. Correct. There were weird lighting anomalies. Now, an interesting, this, another point here is the moon rocks were fake? Like, are the moon rocks real? No, they are not real. NASA has a well-developed ceramics laboratory with high-temperature ovens. Because that's another way NASA could prove they went to the moon, because they brought back these rocks. Interestingly enough, at the University of British Columbia here, David Strangway, the president of the University of British Columbia, was the guy in charge of inspecting the moon rocks. Okay, fine. Why don't you call him up and ask him what he thinks about them? So what happened? The moon rocks were not real? No, they were manufactured on Earth to look like moon rocks. But since nobody has any moon rocks to compare them with, uh, it's very simple to uh, make up a moon rock and say, hey, this came from the moon. Well, how would you know it is a moon rock? Well, there's... uh, Like, how do you know it's not a moon rock? Like, how do you know it's a fake? I had a Seattle geologist who examined moon rocks, and he said there's no question, Bill, that these rocks were made in a laboratory on Earth. The actual astronauts had strange language as well. I noticed from your book there were some little clips and also some other articles like Houston Control said, well, it's a good show. And then the command service module replied, fantastic. And then Armstrong replied, yeah, I'll second that. Like, well, it's a good show. That was interesting language. Roger, we rigged your fire by Columbia. He has landed Tranquility Base. Eagle, is that Tranquility? Over. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Well, good show. Fantastic. Roger, we rigged your fire by Columbia. He has landed Tranquility Base. Eagle, is that Tranquility? Over. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Well, good show. Fantastic.
Yes, and you can find a little more of that in an article published in a magazine called Wired, uh, published in September of 1994. So if any of your listeners want to pick up that magazine, it's Wired 994, and it has a 4,000-word article by Rogier von Bakel, uh, essentially on my contentions. Bill, has anybody ever seen the studio that this was faked in, where they faked the moon landing? Has anybody ever seen this studio where they faked it? Because, like, it's in Area 51, which you alluded to. It was also alluded to in the films Diamonds Are Forever and Capricorn One. Yes, that's right. They did allude to the uh, to the soundstage or the hidden moon set. No, the reason no one has ever seen it and come out alive is because they don't intend for anybody to see it and come out alive. Uh, you got to remember that that NASA is kind of a lethal organization. Uh, Jim Irwin, Apollo 15, uh, was put up to blowing the whistle on the whole project, and he called me up ostensibly to give me the facts. Four days later, he died of a heart attack. Now, what does that tell you? Well, a lot of people died when dissing NASA. What's the significance of the Barron report? Oh, that's profound. A man named Thomas Ronald Barron was an inspector on Pad 34, where Grissom, Chafee, and White were murdered. He brought forth a 500-page report on the mismanagement, the incompetence of NASA and North American. And uh, again, like Jim Irwin, a few days after he testified before the Congressional Investigating Committee, he was found dead in his car at a railroad crossing. Now, what does that tell you? A lot of people got knocked off. Oh, yeah, just like the Kennedy assassination. Something like 18 people died uh, after the Kennedy assassination, and the odds against that are something like 3 trillion to 1. NASA and the CIA and, and the whole U.S. government is a rotten and corrupt organization designed just to get all the tax money they can out of people, uh, to manipulate their minds, to keep them amused with sporting uh, events and, and silly uh, TV sitcoms. Uh, we, unfortunately, in the United States are pretty well brainwashed to believing whatever the government says. And they have control, as you well know, of the media. So again, Bill Casing, please prove that we never went to the moon. What again are some of the points you'd like to go through? Or maybe go through the scenario of what actually happened with that flight. I'd still like to clarify what happened. Maybe you could walk through what happened, how they faked the moon landing. How was the moon landing faked? You know, was Disney involved? Maybe you could just go through that scenario. Okay, well, the astronauts were not in the Saturn V when it took off. They were flown to the West Coast and kept in hiding until it was time to so-called bring them back. In the meantime, the Saturn V was dumped into the South Atlantic, never to be seen again. On the day that they were due back, they were loaded into a command capsule that was purposely heat-streaked, put into a C-5A airplane, and flown out over the landing zone and dropped out. And uh, when they emerged, they came with stories of, uh, of landing on the moon and uh, wonderful photographs. You know, the National Geographic has magnificent pictures. Well, all of these magnificent pictures were taken on Earth because to take them on the moon would have been impossible. 
the temperatures were too high, the film would have curled up as a result of it. Uh, if you notice that the Hasselblad camera is worn outside of the astronaut's suit, and it is not cooled in any way. So that camera would have heated up to uh, the, the temperature to bake cookies in a very short time because the, the sun on the moon is, is absolutely relentless. There's no atmosphere to mitigate the heat of the sun. So uh, NASA made a few phony uh, moon rocks and came up with the stories of the astronauts and uh, put out a lot of pictures. And actually, it, was, it wasn't hard to fake the moon landings. And afterwards, they kept on faking, like they, they faked Apollo 13, the whole thing. Sure, the whole thing was just a scenario to get people more interested in the space project, make it seem like a cliffhanging operation, that it was more dangerous than it, was really, than it really was. And they realized in 1959, 1959, that they couldn't put a man to the moon. Uh, that's when the Russians realized that the, the moon was lethal, and they stopped all planning of landing a man on the moon. And the United States got a hold of this information, and that's when they began planning. In fact, one of the men in advanced design that I knew quite well said that the chance of landing a man on the moon was one was .0017. That was the, the percentage of opportunity to actually take somebody to the moon and back again. Well, how much space stuff since 1959 has been real? Like, what space stuff is real today? Did the Challenger blow up? Did NASA know it would blow up? Yeah, and you know why it blew up? Because Krista McAuliffe, the only civilian and only woman aboard, refused to go along with the lie that you couldn't see stars in space. So they blew her up along with six other uh, people uh, to keep that lie under wraps. So I, I claim that Krista McAuliffe was murdered. So when the Challenger blew up, it wasn't because of O-ring problems. It was because NASA murdered the people because they didn't want them to go along with the gags? They, they, well, Krista McAuliffe was a woman of great integrity, and she would not agree to say that you couldn't see stars in space. So, Bill Casing, are you saying that Roberta Bondar, Canada's first astronaut, never actually made it in space because she was on the shuttle? I'll tell you what, the shuttle is a possibility. After all, it's low altitude. Uh, I haven't done a great deal of research on the shuttle, but several people have said that the shuttle is actually faked also. Krista McCoffley refused to say that she couldn't see stars in space. That's right. And which would verify the moon landing claim of no stars in the photos on the moon. Exactly. So they, bl the, once so they blew her up. What's that? So they blew her up. Yeah, exactly. Once you start telling lies, you've got to keep on going. And then, of course, you try to cover up lies, like the film uh, Apollo 13. Which I'm sure is not on your bestseller list for this year, right? <laughs> I've seen it, and I examined it very carefully, and I found a, a, a tremendous anomaly in it. They show the exhaust of the lunar lander model engine as being uh, a yellow gold. Well, the fuels used on the lunar module were nitrogen tetroxide and unsymmetrical dimethyl hydrazine, which produce a opaque red gas. So uh, their technical experts on Apollo 13 weren't really with it, because uh, otherwise they would have created a red opaque gas, 
as the emission from the lunar rocket engine. So Krista McAuley refused to say that she couldn't see stars in space. Those three guys that died in 1967 on a launch pad, they were, they were, in on, they were gonna refuse to go along with this gag that they were actually gonna go to the moon, and then they got murdered as well? That's correct. And so who else is going to get murdered? What else is coming up? What's the future? Like, what is real that's in space that we can see out there, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Well, I would say this, that the number of people that believe my version of Apollo are increasing in great numbers. I had a fellow come up from L.A. He borrowed all of my papers, materials, video and film and so forth, went back and did an hour and a half tape on We Never Went to the Moon. Uh, the book is being translated into German and Italian in Europe. I've had inquiries from Australia, from Hawaii, from essentially all over the world, and uh, all, of our, all of them are highly supportive and have given me a lot of brand new information which I never knew before. So my feeling is that uh, within a short time the Apollo hoax will be exposed and after that, that will open Pandora's box. After that, the U.S. government is going to be hard pressed to keep the lies about the Federal Reserve Bank, about the IRS being the Gestapo of, of America about the fact that all silver was taken out of circulation in 1963, the fact that uh, Canada does not import our meat because it's so full of rotten chemicals. I'm sure you knew that. The Canadians are pretty smart because they don't import American meat. So you see, in this country, we're <laughs> at the short end of things because of the corruption of the government. Bill Casing, there are some people who believe the moon landing was faked, and you believe the moon landing was fake, don't you? Oh, totally, 100%, and I always will. I'm going to work on it until the day I die. Because there's some people who believe the moon landing was faked because the U.S. government didn't want to disclose that they'd been on the moon since 1910. No. My feeling is that no human being has ever landed on the moon because of the lethal environment on the surface. Well, how do you deal with people who are you're trying to convince this to? Isn't it like trying to convince people the Earth is flat? You know, how do how do you distinguish yourself? You know, with these people, Bill Casing. Well, it's easy. I've got the proof. I've got the photographs, which are available to anybody. All it takes is some study. If you look at the pictures taken uh, of Aldrin by Armstrong, you can find so many mistakes in those photographs that uh, anybody in, in his uh, right mind would realize just by those photos alone that they were fake. Well, how and, did the media fall for this? Well, the media doesn't fall for anything. The media is controlled by the government. Uh, the Dutch papers on July 21st said that, that the moon landing was a, was a hoax, was a fake. And I have been unable to find any of those Dutch papers, although it's well documented that they did publish information with proof that, uh, that the U.S. was spoofing everybody. Didn't the National Enquirer also have stuff, too? Well, I did send some of my material to one of their subsidiaries called Weekly World News, and they did a marvelous job of uh, presenting my material. It was extremely accurate. So it, it has, it, you know, I've been in newspapers. I've been on Oprah Winfrey's show and uh, 
quite a number of other uh, leading television shows. What did Oprah want from you? Oh, she wanted me to talk about the Moon Book. I did that July 5th, 1981 in Baltimore, Maryland, on the leading uh, NBC station there. Well, July 5th is my birthday. Oh, well, that's a good synchronicity. Have you ever talked to any astronauts at all? yes, I've talked to uh, Edwin Buzz Aldrin. Uh, I was invited to appear on CBS television in Los Angeles with Colonel Aldrin. And uh, they called him up, and uh, he wouldn't appear with me. So I called him up, and I said, Buzz, why don't you appear with me? And his exact words were, quote, that is something I do not want to do. And he hung up. Now, if allegedly, if in reality they had gone to the moon, wouldn't they put me on the air with uh, a genuine astronaut and let me debate with him? You've got to remember, too, that, uh, that uh, Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, has not given more than three interviews since he allegedly returned from the moon. A friend of mine went to see him to, to question him, and he not only refused to talk to him, he said, if you hang around my farm much longer, I'll call the police. Now, here's the most famous man of the 20th century. Neil Armstrong allegedly set foot on the moon July 21st, 1969. Why won't he talk about it? Maybe he's just tired of talking about it. No, he couldn't be uh, tired of talking about it because it's his duty and obligation to be a national hero. He took NASA's money. He was supported by the government for many, many years. And here he is uh, in a in a position of of let's say talking about Apollo in a very convincing way, but he won't talk at all. Now he lives on a farm in uh, in Ohio near Columbus. Anybody can find his address and go see him. And uh, you'll and well, I'll ask you why don't you call him up and see if he'll answer some questions about uh, no crater and no stars and so forth. I'd love to. Can you supply me with his number? I don't have his number, but it shouldn't be hard to get it from, uh, uh, well, right now they have a CD-ROM or a uh, software program that has all of the telephone numbers in the United States. So you should be able to get it from that unless you can get it from uh, Ohio information. Wouldn't they have well, unlisted numbers, though? Well, he possibly has unlisted number, but he's uh, numbers, but he's president of a, of a company, and it shouldn't be hard to track him down. At one time, I had his number when he lived uh, in another area, and I tried to get in touch with him uh, to no avail. Bill Casing, you've been trying to prove that we never went to the moon for 20 years now. What new information have you garnered? Well, as I said, most recently, the divergent shadows. Uh, Ralph Rene has done a, a very comprehensive study on temperatures on the moon. He's proved that in no way could the lunar lander where uh, Aldrin and Armstrong slept uh, could have been cooled down because they did not have the power. So it's, it's, uh, what's happening now is that a lot of technical information is coming uh, on stream. Uh, also, I think you picked me up off Internet. Yes, I did. Yeah, right. Well, see, my name is on Internet, and uh, uh, my book's on Internet. I'm now getting phone calls from many different people who believe in my uh, contention that the Apollo was a hoax, and they have contributed a lot to, to the body of information that I have managed to acquire. 
Is there any way of like going to the Smithsonian in Washington and looking at the stuff and seeing that it is fake? Oh, yeah. One of my friends went to the Smithsonian and he measured the exit door of the lunar lander and found out that uh, astronauts wearing their life support systems could not have gone out that door. They were too big. And all this was faked somewhere in the desert. Well, either in the desert and or Norton Air Force Base, I suspect that a lot of the real fine photography and action was done at Norton Air Force Base where they were able to create what appeared to be solar lighting. That was one of the most difficult things to do, to create, to simulate the sun, because the sun's light is so glaring, so powerful, that it would have taken a tremendous arc lamp to simulate the sun. And they could have actually created a vacuum inside the sound stage. See, if you've got $30 billion, it's no problem to do just about anything you want, including murder people, eliminate uh, anybody that comes uh, on stream and, and tells opposing stories. I have been invited to, star to talk on radio many times, and I have been immediately discredited. In what sense? Well, for example, Chuck Ash Ashman in L.A. called me, and he said, I understand uh, you say we never went to the moon. And I said, yes, and here's my proof. Well, he clicked me off, and he said, well, this is what I call... Uh, an irresponsible journalist, a man who has no real proof that we didn't go to the moon, but he's running around telling people that it was all a hoax. And that's what we want to do right now is prove it. One last time here, Bill Casing, the proof that we never went to the moon. Bill Casing, author, 20 years you've been working on this. We never went to the moon. The proof is there were no stars in the photos that were supplied by NASA. That's the strongest piece of evidence, the strongest argument that supports my view. And, and because Krista McAfee did not agree to that, she was murdered on the Challenger. That is correct. And there were no craters beneath the lunar lander. That is also correct. And nobody's ever seen the studio either. That's more reason to believe we never went to the moon, right? That's right. Radiation should have, like, destroyed the astronauts. Yes, it should have. There was, w were they there? There were lighting anomalies. The moon rocks weren't real. The actual astronauts had weird language when they were actually talking, like it was a good show, fantastic. And also it was impossible to make it to the moon, you believe, because since 1959, Russia had said you wouldn't be able to make it to the moon because of the actual radiation. That's what you believe, right? Yes, sir. That was the real turning part. It was actually physically impossible to make it to somebody, for somebody to make it to the moon? That is correct, and that's why they say, and there was an old saying in NASA, if you can't make it, fake it. Are there any other points that we haven't pointed out here today, Bill Casing, about not making it to the moon that we haven't covered more proof to prove that we never made it to the moon? Well, I think we've covered the, the very important general ones. Uh, there are a lot of details. For example, uh, Edwin Aldrin, when he came back from his alleged trip to the moon, wrote a book called Return to Earth. Well, I've read the book three times, and in it we find a man who is trying desperately to tell the truth, but he's unable to. In other words, they put the wraps on him. They've, they've told him, don't ever talk about the moon as, as a fake. But an interesting thing happened to Aldrin when he was speaking at Edwards Air Force Base to some of his fellow pilots. He was asked by a TV in, in interrogator, what was it like to be on the moon? And Edwin Aldrin at that point could not answer that question. 
He began shaking and trembling. He walked off the stage into an alley and later got drunk. Now, if you've done something, honestly and truthfully, you can talk about it without any problems. Well, it was obvious that here was an occasion when Aldrin could not tell that lie one more time. Have you been threatened at all, Bill Casing? Oh, death threats and uh, letters with skull and crossbones on them. I've been called a commie sympathizer, a traitor to the United States. Uh, many things have happened to me. One time I was on KOME radio doing a three-hour show, and halfway through the show, someone dropped napalm on the transmitter in the Gilroy Hills. They wanted to cut us, cut our story off, and police came. They offered us police protection, and the KOME was off the air for three days until they could fix a quarter, mil, a quarter of a million dollars uh, damage. Boy, Americans really care about the moon landing, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like Pearl Harbor. They managed to cover up the, uh, the truth of Pearl Harbor uh, since December 7, 1941. And everybody that was in World War II, including me, knows that uh, the Japanese uh, were uh, set up to do it. In fact, uh, some people told me that uh, two shiploads of, ship of gold were sent to Japan to finance Pearl Harbor. They were sent by the British because the British wanted us involved in the war, and Pearl Harbor seemed like a good way to do it. So the Americans bribed the Japanese into bombing Pearl Harbor? Yes, and Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not only knew about the attack, he helped arrange it, and he suppressed the information about the Japanese attack from Kimmel and Short, the naval and army commanders at Pearl Harbor. Amazing. Something else I'd love to talk to you about uh, down the road. If you want another interview, I know quite a bit about Pearl Harbor, and uh, I have several books on the subject, and uh, this was one of the biggest hoaxes perpetrated by the U.S. government to get us involved in a deadly war, and um, uh, there's no question that, that it was all set up. Are there any Canadian connections to the moon landing? You mentioned uh, Quebec looking a lot like the moon, and perhaps some photos were taken there to help fake the moon landing. Yes, I was told that there's an area north of Quebec that's very rocky and very uh, austere. There's no vegetation, and that some of the astronauts were seen in that vicinity and it's possible that they were trying to take lunar shots uh, north of Quebec. Why should people care about the moon landing, Bill Casing? Why should people care that the moon landing was faked? A lot of people go, big deal, we got other stuff to worry about. Big deal, Kennedy was, you know, killed the moon landing. What's the, why should people care that the moon landing was faked? Well, I think we should care because it proves that the U.S. government is just uh, a body politic of lies and falsehood. They have been for many, many years on all of the important subjects. Social Security is bankrupt. Uh, the food in America is all uh, weak poisons. Uh, people are, are put under the thumb of the IRS. There are so many things wrong with the United States. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the people. It's the government 
that I call public enemy number one. The government that lies, that says there were stars in the photos taken on the moon. The government that lies, that says that there was a crater beneath the lunar lander when there was no crater beneath the lunar lander. The government that lies, that says the moon rocks were actually real when they're actually fake. The government that lies, that says the government that killed Krista McAfee. I can't believe that Krista McAfee was actually killed. She was killed because she wouldn't go along with the, with the myth of going to the moon? Well, she wouldn't perpetrate the lie that was very important. She was going to tell the truth, and uh, you have to look out for people like that. And those poor three guys that died on the launch pad, those guys wouldn't go along with it, too, and they were nailed. It's kind of scary, Bill Casing. Well, uh, seven, other, seven astronauts were killed in 1967, and it's very possible that all of them intended to blow the whistle on the government, and so they were eliminated, just like the witnesses to the uh, Kennedy assassination. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there in Radio Land of Vancouver, B.C., Canada? Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Well, I will say this. Uh, whether you believe my story or not, go to the library in your spare time and take a look at some NASA books and study the photographs. Use your own intelligence to analyze them and see that they could not have been taken on the moon. That's, that's the number one proof. All right, Bill. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doo do loot do What's that? Bill, doot-doodle-loot-doo. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'll take it easy. No, doot-doodle-loot-doo. Doot-doot. You're still listening to the Nord.
Edward, the human serviette radio show. And that sound clip, that sample of an evaporator song at the very end was Bill Casing. And rest in peace, Bill Casing. Before the evaporators and the sample of Bill Casing, the interview that inspired me to write the song Crispy Space Bacon with Bill Casing from February 16th, 1996. All about the moon landing being faked. To end the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show, I thought I would play a couple space records. One celebrating Yuri Gagargan from the USSR, and another celebrating John Glenn from the USA. John Glenn, the first American in space. Yuri Gagargan, the first person ever in space. Aside from the dog that probably, according to Bill Casing never actually made it there. Rest in peace, Laika and the cosmonauts. And rest in peace, Bill Casing. So here to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show is some Russian music and talking all about Yuri Gagagagai. Совершал свой полет с первым человеком-космонавтом Юрием Алексеевичем Гагарином над нашей планетой, между Землей и космическим кораблем была установлена двухсторонняя радиосвязь. Товарищ Гагарин сообщал на Землю о том, как он себя чувствует, о том, как проходит полет. In those historic minutes when the spaceship Vostok was orbiting the Earth with the first astronaut Yuri Gagarin on board, two-way radio contact was maintained between the Earth and the spaceship. Yuri Gagarin reported back to Earth how he was feeling and how the flight was going on. During these brief communications, the Soviet astronaut sent messages. I see the Earth. Visibility good. I hear you perfectly. And sometime later, the flight is continuing well. I see the Earth. Visibility good. One can see everything. Some space is covered by cumulus cloud. And then again, I am continuing with the flight. Everything normal. Everything working perfectly. Pressing on. Sometime later, Yuri Gagarin reported again. Feeling well. I'm in good spirits. I'm continuing with the flight. Everything is going well. The machine is working normally. These laconic messages, full of courage and confidence, which already today belong to history, were recorded on tape. Here is this historic recording. Here is the voice of the world's first astronaut, Yuri Gagarin, from aboard the Soviet spaceship Vostok.
This is Mercury Control. All systems are reported in a go condition. John Glenn reports he is ready. This is Mercury Control. That's alarm. One minute, 15 seconds. Missile power, go. RF systems, go. Propulsion, go. AMR telemetry, go. Telemetry quality, go. Mercury capsule, go. Minus 60 seconds. Healing to internal. seconds counting eight seven six five four three two one zero lift off the clock is operating we're underway roger reading you loud and clear roger we're programming and roll okay a little bumpy along about here stand by for 20 seconds roger three Two, one, mark. Roger, backup clock is started. Fuel 102, 101, oxygen 78, 100, amps 27. Roger, loud and clear, flight path is good, 6-9. Uh, Roger, checks okay, mine was 7-0 on your mark. Have some vibration area coming up here now. Roger, reading you loud and clear, John. It's coming into high queue a little bit. That little contrail went by the window or something there. Go 102, 101, uh, oxygen 78 to 101, amps 24, still okay. We're smoothing out some now, getting out of the vibration area. Roger, you're through max Q. Flight path is very good. Pitch 4-3. Flight very smooth now. Roger, flight path is good. Either they're building to fix. Uh, Roger, reading you loud and clear. Flight path looks good. Pitch 25, stand by for staging. Roger, Pico. Pico. Let's see the tower go. I saw the smoke go by the window. Roger, we confirm staging on TM. There the tower went right then. Uh, have the tower in sight, way out. Oh, Roger, we confirm on TM. Edison Tower is green. One and a half G's. Uh, Roger, seven still reading you loud and clear. Flight path looks good. Auto retro jettison is off. Emergency retro jettison fuse switch off. A retro jettison fuse switch off. Oh, DF2 normal. Uh, flight path looks good. Steering is good. Roger, understand everything looks good. He's starting to build again a little bit. Oh, Roger, reading you loud and clear, seven. Cape is go. We're standing by for you. Roger, Cape is go, and I am go. Our capsule is in good shape. 
Roger, 20 seconds to Seco. Flight path looks very good. 10 seconds, flight path still looks good. Seco. Lots of grades fired, okay. Zero G, and I feel fine. Capsule is turning around. Oh, that view is tremendous. Capsule turning around, and I could see the booster during turnaround just a couple of hundred yards behind me. It was beautiful. Uh, Roger, seven, you have a go, at least seven orbits. Roger, understand go for at least seven orbits. Suspendship seven, I can see clear back a big cloud pattern way back across toward the Cape. Beautiful sight. Uh, Roger, still reading you loud and clear. Next transmission, Bermuda. Bermuda reports that it has acquired telemetry signals from the spacecraft. John Glenn reports everything looks good. This is Mercury Control. Our tracking station located at Mouche, Australia, reported contact with this Friendship 7 spacecraft at 4-0 after the hour, that is 10-40. Astronaut John Glenn is now in voice contact with astronaut Gordon Cooper, who is the capsule communicator at Mouche. Hello, Mouche, Tom Cook. This is Friendship 7, reading you loud and clear. Help me. те исторические минуты, когда космический корабль «Восток» совершал свой полет с первым человеком-космонавтом Юрием Алексеевичем Гагариным над нашей планетой, между Землей и космическим кораблем была установлена двухсторонняя радиосвязь. Товарищ Гагарин сообщал на Землю о том, как он себя чувствует, о том, как проходит полет. Во время коротких сеансов связи советский космонавт передавал. Наблюдаю Землю, видимость хорошая, слышу вас отлично. Через некоторое время полет продолжается хорошо. Наблюдаю Землю, видимость хорошая. Видеть можно все. Некоторое пространство покрыто кучевой облачностью. Еще некоторое время спустя товарищ Гагарин передает. Полет продолжаю. Все нормально. Все работает отлично. Все отлично работает. Идем дальше. И снова через некоторое время 
самочувствие хорошее, настроение бодрое, продолжаю полет. Все идет хорошо, машина работает нормально. Эти лаконичные, полные мужества и уверенности сообщения, уже сегодня принадлежащие истории, записаны на магнитную пленку. Слушайте голос первого в мире космонавта Юрия Алексеевича Гагарина с борта советского корабля-спутника «Восток».
This is Mercury Control. Our Atlantic tracking ship made contact with the Friendship 7 spacecraft at 1.12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Mercury Control, the tracking station on Hawaii. Contacted the Friendship 7 spacecraft at 2.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As we proceeded around from Australia toward Hawaii, we detected an indication of a problem with the heat shield deployment switch. A check was made over Hawaii, which confirmed that the system was operating properly and that the signal apparently was erroneous. He is also completing now his retrofiring checklist. And this is a process by which he makes sure that all of his onboard equipment is secured, that uh, he has checked out his attitude control system, that he is in good condition and preparing to fire those retro rockets to begin that long landing flight toward this the Atlantic. This is Mercury Control. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Retro fire. Roger. Retros are firing. Oh, Roger, baby. DC current bag at zero 09. Feels like I'm going back toward Hawaii. Don't do that. You want to go on the East Coast. Retro light is green. Roger, we got all three here. I'll tell you, there's no doubt about it when the retros fire. This is Texas Capcom Prension 7. We are recommending that you leave the retro package on through the entire re-entry. This means that you will have to override the 05G switch which is expected to occur at 044353. This also means that you will have to manually retract the scope. Do you read? Uh, this is Friendship 7. Now, what is the reason for this? Do you have any reason over it? Not at this time. This is the judgment of Cape Flight. We are recommending that the retro package not, I say again, not be jettisoned. All right, you understand. I will have to make a manual uh, 05G entry when it occurs and uh, bring the scope in uh, manually. Uh, seven, this is Cape. The weather in the recovery area is excellent. Three foot waves, only one tenth cloud coverage, 10 miles visibility. Roger, Friendship Seven. This is Mercury Control. The spacecraft Friendship 7 is on the deck. It was set on the deck at four minutes after three Eastern Standard Time this afternoon. Astronaut John Glenn reports, my condition is excellent. He is in continuous contact with the people on the ship. 
Radio reports from the USS NOAA indicate the hatch is now blown clear. U.S. astronaut John Glenn is on the deck of the USS NOAA, is reported to be a hale and hearty astronaut after his history-making flight. And this is Mercury Control.